Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. This episode, it's just me, and we're thinking about something which is really in the centre of Christian spirituality. So if that's not your bag, then you might want to give this one a miss. What it is that I would like to think about is this idea of divine love, of both being loved by the divine and loving the divine. That thing that we often hear talk about, which is absolutely central to the idea of Christianity, is this concept that we have a relationship with with God and a relationship of love. And so that idea of loving God and being loved by God is something which is spoken about a lot. But I don't think we often think about what that actually looks like in practice. And there's a couple of things that made me want to talk about this. It's something I've been thinking about and pondering over for some while. I spent quite a bit of time as a spiritual director talking to people about their prayer life, their relationship with God. And a fairly common kind of theme is this sense that, well, I would like my relationship with God to be better, to be deeper, to be more intimate. And there is an element of that which is absolutely right. Of course, we want to grow in our relationship with God. But the thing which makes me pause is when people are having that desire out of a really natural sense of comparing what is going on for them with what they see going on for other people. Quite often what happens is that somebody is wanting intimacy and they've heard other people speak about their experiences of prayer where there was intimacy in a way that they haven't experienced themselves. Maybe somebody wants an experience which is something different to the one that they are actually having. And as I say, there is an element of that which is really healthy, that desire to grow, to become more intimate. But equally, there can be a sense of thinking, well, actually, the grass is greener. This person really seems to be very close to God and I'm not. And I really wish I was. And I must be inadequate because my relationship with God isn't like that. What's interesting to me is that there are elements of relationship with God, which quite often, whatever it is that somebody has a lot of, they can be looking over their shoulder at someone else and thinking they seem, when they talk about their prayer life, they seem to have things that I don't. I've only got this going on and they seem to have all these other things going on. And in thinking about that and in listening to people, it has occurred to me that actually when you look at the Bible, there are lots and lots of different ways in which God describes God's self. Lots of different metaphors that are used. So Jesus speaks about being a friend, a brother, speaks of God as father. There's lots in the Bible which gives us a picture of God as mother. So there's a huge range of different images. Jesus has analogies where God is like a shepherd or like a housewife seeking something precious. Or there's that beautiful parable of the running father responding to the prodigal son who has come home. Lots and lots of different metaphors and ideas. That makes me think that actually our relationship with God potentially can have lots of different aspects to it. It can be expressed in lots of different ways. And my purpose here really is just to reflect on some of those things using the analogy of human relationships. 
in order to do a couple of things. One is to help you to notice where you do have intimacy with the divine. What are the aspects of relating to the divine which you have really grown in? So helping you to see where it is that your relationship naturally kind of gravitates towards. And maybe you'll be able to think, oh, yes, and I've had a little bit of an experience of that thing. And maybe I would like to lean into that a bit more. And also to think about the way in which our relationship with God can kind of ebb and flow and change and develop over a lifetime. So one way of looking at it would be to think about a really good marriage. That's not the only way of looking at it, but to think about the different elements of um, a relationship that you might have with somebody who is a life partner. So that kind of love relationship where you are sharing life with someone and you're doing all sorts of different things and that will have different aspects to it. If that's not a helpful analogy to you, then it might be more helpful to think about a range of different relationships and to think about the fact that actually your relationship with the divine might be like any of those over different periods of time. And if you want to deepen your relationship, then it's great to start by understanding and noticing what that relationship actually is like for you. One of the things that I'm hoping is that as we go through this, hopefully you will be less likely to worry that your relationship isn't like other people's. So this isn't an exhaustive list. It's just a bit of a snapshot of a few different ways in which we tend to relate to the divine. And it may be that you would describe your relationship differently to any of these things. Your communication might be entirely different, but what I'm hoping, if that's the case, is that this will have got you thinking. It will have got the mental juices flowing and you'll think, oh, yeah, 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 I can think that actually it's not like any of these things, but it is like that. Okay. So I'm going to start with something which can easily be undervalued, and that is the sense of a working relationship, of being in partnership with the divine on an everyday basis. When I was thinking about this, I was reminded of an incident, just a moment that happened in the context of listening to a sermon. And it was a sermon on a fairly common passage in the Bible. There is a little vignette of a conversation between Jesus and two sisters called Martha and Mary. You're probably familiar with this. It's frequently used to beat people around the head for not being more contemplative and quiet and calm and reflective in their relationship with God. So in this scene, Jesus is at the home of some friends, Lazarus, yes, that Lazarus, the one that Jesus rose from the dead, and his sisters, Mary and Martha. He is teaching his closest followers and Mary is amongst them sitting at Jesus's feet and listening. Meanwhile, Martha is in the kitchen working hard, probably preparing food. She thinks that Mary ought to be helping. And there are a couple of reasons why she might think that. One is that Mary is taking the place of a disciple and is listening to Jesus. And it, and it may be that Martha thought that as a woman, she shouldn't be doing that and she should be helping her out in the kitchen. We don't know what was in Martha's mind, or it might simply be that Martha was just a bit frustrated. But anyway, she thinks Mary ought to be helping and she asks Jesus to tell her off, basically. She says, tell her to come and help me. Jesus's response is to tell Martha, you are worried about many things. Mary has chosen the better thing and it won't be taken from her. Now, the reason that I say this is often used to beat people around the head is that it's often taken to mean that the most spiritual thing to do is to sit at Jesus's feet in adoration. And that if you are rushing around doing stuff for God, then that's less spiritual. 
So I was listening to a sermon about that and I was about to disappear down a guilt rabbit hole of thinking, oh no, I should be spending more time sitting at Jesus's feet metaphorically and listening. And I don't do that and I don't seem to be able to be quiet and I'm obviously too busy. And then suddenly I had a picture in my mind of me and Jesus making sandwiches together. I used to facilitate something called Church Without Walls and we were a really open space for people to come on a Sunday afternoon. It was in the middle of the city and people could come, whoever they were, from wherever, to meet together. And because quite a lot of the people who came didn't have anywhere permanent to live and didn't have ready and regular access to food, a really important part of what we did was that we made sandwiches for people. And As I was facilitating most Sunday afternoons at that time, I would go to the co-op down the road from me where they would be selling off their posh bread on a Sunday afternoon. And I would buy really nice bread and things relatively cheaply so that I could make really nice sandwiches for people. Quite often, I would spend as much time making the cake that I was going to take with me as I would do planning what I was going to talk about, because that element of hospitality felt really important to me. So it was deeply precious when the picture that God gave me as I was listening to this sermon about to go into a moment of guilt was of me and Jesus standing at the kitchen counter in the building that Church Without Walls met in, making sandwiches for the people that were going to come. And in that moment, really what was heightened for me was my awareness of the companionship of Jesus in my work for Sunday gatherings. And there was a lot of love, actually, that went into choosing the nice bread and making a Victoria sponge. And I remember the deep joy that there was when somebody who was living on the streets came with a packet of bread rolls for us to share with other people. And I thought, this is somebody who's moved from being a recipient of a service to somebody who's part of a community because he's come and he's brought something and he's brought it with pride. And I think there was a real sense of connection with God in that moment. So our work for God, our working in the world, it might we might not even consciously be thinking, I am working for God. But if you remember that thing where Jesus is asked by his followers, well, when did we see you? When did we help you? And he says, well, every time you gave a glass of water to somebody who was thirsty, you were giving it to me. So there is a kind of a dual love thing going on there, I think, both of working with Jesus to love the people that Jesus loves and serving Jesus in the people who we meet and we serve and we give ourselves for. There's that kind of dual thing going on. Quite a number of years ago, I worked in the health service And again, I was doing it because I believed it was where I was meant to be. And I used to get in early sometimes and pray for the department if I was there first. I would walk through the building and pray. And I wasn't particularly aware of kind of loving feelings, but there was a real sense of actually I'm doing something which is about serving God in this place. So I would say that a working relationship might include talking to God about your work. There might be a sense of companionship during your work or hearing from God about what it is that you're doing. So there might be insights that you get. There might be moments when you're working with people and you just sense that God's spirit is working through you. And I believe that that is an aspect of love. If you think about the loving relationships that you have with people, some of those definitely will involve doing things together, working together, producing things together. And there's a deep sense of companionship and love that comes along with that. 
There are those moments of flow, actually, when that becomes quite mystical, quite spiritual. You get a real sense of moving into a slightly other space because what you're doing is just flowing through you so naturally. And I do believe that in those moments, there is a real love connection between us and the divine. So the next thing that I want to talk about in terms of ways that we can express a relationship of love with God is intellectual conversation. This may not be your thing at all. You might think, oh, for goodness sake. But actually learning together or understanding things together or having a really deep and meaningful conversation can be part of deep friendship. It can be part of a relationship of love. And I have definitely experienced that in my relationship with God. So a fairly typical pattern for me would be that I read something or hear something and I ponder it, I think about it. And as I'm doing that consciously in a prayer space, there are new insights or ideas that come. It feels like somebody's given me a bunch of flowers and I can kind of take it with me. And then I might come back to it and look at it and think about it. And in that moment, there is a real sense of connection, just as there is when I'm speaking with friends and sharing ideas and insights. Just as there is with my fiance, when we're having a really deep and meaningful conversation, there's a real sense of love in that. And I think it's beautiful. And I would say that earlier in my Christian life, that was very, very core to my relationship with God, because the other things which we're going to talk about later kind of weren't there nearly so prominently. And I used to sort of almost think, oh, well, I wish I could feel loving in the way that some of my friends do, and I kind of don't. But but that sort of intellectual conversation element of intimacy was there right from the get-go. And that may be something which you have. And I would say, do not devalue that. Do not undersell that to yourself in terms of understanding how you connect with the divine in love. Then for some of us, there is a real sense of intimacy, kind of intimate friendship in the way that there might be and I'm thinking particularly amongst female friends, although not necessarily just amongst female friends. But you know, when you're having a good conversation with somebody and you're maybe talking about people who you are both concerned about and thinking about them and thinking about kind of the everyday things that happen in your life, what colour you're going to paint the walls, what you're going to plant in the front garden, you know, all those kind of natural nitty gritty bits of how life happens. And for many people, simply inviting the divine into those moments and being aware of God in those moments, is just part of how it is. So just chatting about the stuff that's going on in the day, talking about what's on your heart, it's sort of a safe space to be yourself, hopefully. And then intercession. Intercession is when we're praying for people and praying about things. And you could almost see that as gossiping with God and sharing your concerns about the work that you're doing or about the people that you love and the things that you would like to see for them. And in a friendship with somebody, there is something very profound that happens when we are honestly sharing what it is that we're concerned about and what we care about. And I think you get that in intercessory prayer, in praying for other people. I know people for whom it is really very intimate, that kind of praying for others and that sense that you are catching something of the kind of world that the divine is wanting to bring into existence through you and that you are praying some of that out. Or you're simply sharing your love of other people. So that intimate friendship, often there is a sense of companionship. 
So you may have a sense of the closeness of the divine as you go for a walk or you admire the natural world around you. You notice things that remind you of God. There was a moment a few years ago now, uh, just a really profound moment. And I'd gone for a walk and was consciously wanting to go for a walk with the divine. So inviting God into that space. And I was feeding some ducks. And suddenly the place that I was in felt transformed. It felt like I was sensing something of the peace that there was. There's a poem by Wendell Berry when he talks about going into nature when he needs to kind of connect with the peace of the universe. But I just had a real sense of God's intimate relationship with nature and the fact that the ducks that I was looking at were content. Um, and ducks aren't always content. Sometimes they're quite contentious. But there was a real sense of peace about the whole scene. It's just this little pond on the edge of a council estate down the road from me. And it was beautiful. So a real kind of companionship. And I know people who use sort of companionship imagery in the context of their prayer. So it might be that you imagine sitting on a hill and looking at the scene with Jesus, or you imagine sitting at a picnic table with Jesus, with the divine. Um, and so there's that sense of kind of companionship. You're noticing things that remind you of God as you go about your day. It's not particularly working together, just kind of hanging out. And that might be something that you are drawn to and that happens quite naturally for you. And then there is that kind of relationship of deep love and affection. And often I think that we get to that in the context of sung worship. Not everybody does, but it's but it's a context where sometimes people do get to that sort of deep love and affection point. There is a criticism that is hurled at modern worship songs, which express love in this way, sort of they're pejoratively referred to as the Jesus is my boyfriend songs. And whilst that might not be the only thing that you ever want to sing, I don't think it's a fair criticism, actually. I think I would like to stand up for the Jesus is my boyfriend songs on the grounds that actually they can help to release in us a sense of affection and love, which is easier to express when you're singing than when you're not. And in that context, it can sometimes be that we are able to have a sense of receiving that back from God. Not everybody gets there, but if you do, then enjoy it. It's great. And if you don't, that's fine too. But I think let's not criticise people who do find that they connect with God deeply in those moments. And like any love songs, they don't always make sense. <laughs> so if you take apart a lot of the songs which are sung in those kinds of guitar-y-led worship sessions, there is still in the context of singing the way that that helps us to connect with our emotions. Often that is a way that people really connect with God. Um, and sometimes that love and affection is expressed in other ways too. It may be that you simply speak to God in a way that is full of heartfelt affection. Maybe that you draw things and paint things. Another way of looking at a relationship with God would be a creative partnership. So there are people who engage in artwork and stuff. You know, it may be that art and craft and song and writing and things are things that you do. And in the context of that creative activity, you have a real sense of the divine. And again, in that, that kind of connection with the divine is a connection of love. In fact, I think one of the things that I would say in the context of all of this 
is that any connection with the divine is a love connection. It can't be other because God is love. And within us is that presence of God that connects with the God of love. Our souls are designed for that love relationship. So it really doesn't matter how you do it. There will still be within that a connection of love. And then there is something which is sometimes referred to technically as love mysticism. So something of the sensual and the erotic. And as we talk about this, you might find it weird and odd and unsettling and bizarre. If it's not part of your experience, that's absolutely fine. But the reason I want to talk about it is that it may be that it is part of your experience and actually having somebody name it and talk about it could be really, really helpful, which is why I'm going to do it. Because actually, if it is something that you've experienced, you may well also find it a bit weird and odd and bizarre. And if nobody's ever talked about it, then it can be a little bit unsettling if it's something which you do find yourself drawn to or find yourself experiencing. But it is perfectly normal. So I was reminded when thinking about this of a conversation that I had with um, a couple of Christian women and we were talking about prayer and a longing for deeper intimacy. And one of these women, we'll call her Jane and we'll call the other one Karen. So Jane said, I really long for a deeper sense of intimacy. I want more intimacy with Jesus, more intimacy, says Jane. Karen sort of says, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So you mean like sitting around the kitchen table at home and having a cup of tea? And Jane said, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, being on a desert island and making love on the beach. And actually, we are, amongst other things, we are sexual, sensual beings. So it sort of makes sense that in the context of our relationship with God, this might be something which we experience. So I'm just going to read something from, this is a book by Barbara Brown Taylor. It's called An Altar in the World. And she's talking about encountering God in everyday life. I highly recommend it. But she describes this really well. She says this, One of the most remarkable conversations I have ever had about the physics of divine love took place in a far country where a male colleague and I were involved in a month-long service project. We were done with our work for the day. We were enjoying a good dinner over a bottle of equally good wine. After two glasses of it, the conversation turned to our physical attraction, not for each other, but for God. Sometimes, he said, when he was preaching a sermon he really cared about, he grew so aware of God's presence that he became physically aroused. He rose to God's presence as to the presence of the beloved. His sense of spiritual intimacy flowed straight into his sense of physical intimacy. They were not two, but one. He was not two, but one. He and God were not two, but one. Inspired by his divine audacity, I allowed as how I had experienced the same thing myself, although with different physical equipment. Sometimes when I was praying, my body could not tell the difference between that and making love. Every cell in my body rose to the occasion, so that I felt the prayer prick my breasts and warm my belly, lifting every hair on my body in full alert. Body and soul were not two, but one. I was not two, but one. God and I were not two, but one. So the reason this kind of connection with God is sometimes referred to as love mysticism is because it was very much a part of the writing and the experience of quite a lot of the mystics and the saints in the Middle Ages. So people like Teresa of Avila and Hildegard of Bingen and John of the Cross wrote about these things and wrote about these kind of sensual, erotic experiences in connection with their prayer life with the divine. So that, again, is a natural part of 
the way that we connect with God. And it's, as I say, it's not something which everybody experiences, but I think it can be quite unnerving if it's something that you experience and you think that nobody else does. And I can tell you that other people do. So in summary, we've looked at a number of different ways in which our connection with God, with the divine, that love connection might occur. And exactly how that happens for you will be the product of a, of a number of different things. It will be partly to do with your personality. If you are somebody who's more intellectual than you are emotional, then it is likely that sort of intellectual conversation will be a bigger part of your love relationship with the divine um, than it might be for somebody for whom that just isn't something that particularly bothers them. There is also something about the length of relationship that you've had with the divine consciously had. So if you have been engaging in spiritual practices and in wanting to develop a relationship with the divine over many years, then that allows space for things to grow and different things to grow. So there was a Christian conference that I used to go to called Spring Harvest, and they used to divide their morning sessions into different streams. So you could go along to different ones. If you wanted something that was intellectual, they did a kind of thinky intellectual sort of stream. If you wanted something a bit more kind of spirituality based, then you could go to one of those. If you wanted something that felt like watching Good Morning TV, then there was one that would do that. The first few times that I went to Spring Harvest, I definitely wanted to go to the sort of the intellectual thinky ones and I found that really fulfilling and then there was a gap of a number of years and I went back and the first morning I went along to the same seminar that I had done before and suddenly that thing which previously had really gripped my attention I looked around the room and I thought oh, this is just not the right place for me this feels so dry. And so I went and found the spirituality stream that was much more kind of heart affection, contemplation with God kind of related. And that was feeding my soul much more on that occasion. That felt much easier to connect with God in that than it had done in the more intellectual one. But that's a shift that I had seen over a number of years. And part of that shift, I think, is about becoming more and more comfortable and feeling more and more safe with the divine. So it may be that the things that you feel safe to connect with God are maybe things which are more related to what you're doing, more practical. It may be that you find intellectual conversation easier to connect with. And it may be that the sort of the more kind of intimate, chilling out companionship type stuff is much harder for you because you're not at a point where you're ready to let your defences down to the extent that those things are easier to enter into. And I think that's OK because our relationships will grow at the pace that they're meant to. Your relationship with the divine will grow with you as you grow. And there's no harm in spending some time if you feel that there are things getting in the way of that or reasons why you feel scared to draw close to God, then absolutely talk to the divine about those things, bring those things into God's presence, chat to Jesus about them, whatever imagery helps you. That's okay. And I think as you do that, you can allow things to develop at the pace that is right for you. If we've had experiences in early life that tell us that people and relationships are not safe, that it is absolutely no surprise that engaging in a relationship with the creator of the universe might be a bit threatening. Yeah, if you found... <laughs> If you found your teachers at school and your mum and your big brother threatening, it's, then it really isn't a surprise that you might find letting down your defences to God. 
really quite difficult to do. And that's okay because as healing comes and as time goes by and as you sort of dip your toe in the water, it's likely to become easier. So there we go. I hope that that gives you some insights and some helpful thoughts about what a love relationship with the divine might look like. It may be that as you listen to this, you had a real sense of yearning for something that I was talking about that you haven't experienced or for more of that. And so I would say, well, there's no harm in asking God for that and beginning to experiment. But don't rush yourself and don't feel bad if things don't happen as you would like them to. We kind of can't force these things to happen. We can only put ourselves in a position where they might. So you can take some time out and have an experiment with some things. And it may be that you would like some spiritual direction and that's something which you might want to explore. There's a little bit of information about that on my website, which is lovedcalledgifted.com. You might want to have a little bit of a look. But the other thing I would say is that quite possibly, as I've talked about these things, you will be thinking, oh, yeah, I can really see how this thing is part of my love relationship with the divine. And I hadn't really seen it as that. So what I would say is that if you've noticed that, then then enjoy it. Notice that element of love connection that occurs, even in those things which don't on the surface sound like love connection, like the stuff that we talked about, about working together and working companionship and those sorts of things. So I hope that's been helpful. And one last thing to say, if any of the episodes that you listen to, if you've got comments or thoughts or feedback or thoughts that you would like to share, then it'd be great to hear from you. You can get hold of us at lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening.